Welcome to today's energy show. It's my pleasure to introduce Larry Sherwood, a longtime solar expert and advocate for the solar industry. He's currently working with the Interstate Renewable Energy Council and with the Solar America Board for Codes and Standards, or the Solar ABCs. His solar career goes back to the late 70s when he was with the Northeast Solar Energy Association. He's had all kinds of roles in between. So he'll be a great guest. Welcome to the show, Larry. Thank you. Glad to be here. All right, good, good. Well, uh, just to get us started, tell us a little bit about what the Solar America Board of Codes and Standards, or Solar ABCs, does. So the Solar America Board for Codes and Standards is a national um, collaborative program among different stakeholders to work in the codes and standards space. And basically, with codes and standards, It takes a really long time and really detailed processes to develop new standards and codes or to make changes. And so Solar ABCs works to get people together in the same room or sometimes to do research so that we can come up with solutions that can be proposed as consensus solutions but before the formal process even begins, therefore making the process a little more efficient. So so what are some of the previous codes and standards that, that your group has proposed and that's gone into the market? To begin with, there are hundreds, literally hundreds of standards out there that relate to solar products or solar installations. The most well-known of those are safety-related standards and those are typically required. And then there are also quality-related standards, and those sometimes are required, but more often are voluntary. So um, Solar ABCs has been involved in the development of um, new test procedures for fire rating of photovoltaic systems. We've been involved in um, developing new guidelines for Um, installation of large PV systems that prevent fires from starting. We've been involved in the development of quality um, standards in um, international standards and heavily involved in the development of electrical codes and electrical safety-related issues. Yeah, that's important, and and you know we've got a, a very broad audience on on the KLIV show and on Renewable Energy World, and and some people are just hey, I'm a homeowner, I want to buy solar, and then some people are really into the industry. But from a a homeowner standpoint, what I like about these these codes and standards is we've we as an industry have have done things like making sure the inverters are never going to operate when they're they're disconnected from the grid, so you can't create a shock hazard. Or we've done things like making sure the the solar panels are going to be strong enough so that they won't blow off or, or break during a high windstorm, making sure that the electrical connections and the grounding is going to work in areas where it's it's really, really hot or rainy or you have cold cycles and heating cycles. So over time, the, the great thing about these standards, and they've been going on for 
for a long time, you know, well before I got into the industry again, is that the systems that, that I've looked at that were installed even 10 or 15 years ago that followed the standards of the time, they're still working fine and they're safe and they're operating and there's no big problems. Whereas I've seen a lot of systems that were kind of installed where the standards weren't followed or they, they, they did things that weren't according to code. And, and, uh, you know, I'm sure just within a year or two, they, 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 had some significant defects, and certainly 10 years later, there, there's big problems up there. So it's something that's really valuable for the industry to, to improve the quality, and it's also very helpful for consumers who are going to buy a system and, and hope that it's going to work in a safe and effective way for 25 years. So so what are, what are some of the new standards that are coming into play? You mentioned things about fire safety. What's, what's the problem there? So the issue um, with fire safety is... There are codes um, most everywhere in the United States that require roofs to meet certain fire um, standards, certain fire classification rates. And in the old days, like several years ago, um, photovoltaic modules had a fire rating that was done for the module by itself. But when you think about it, what you really care about is does the putting the PV module on the roof, does that degrade the fire performance of the roof so the roof no longer meets the requirements in the code? And it turns out that the way that the PV modules were classified for fire previously didn't really answer the question of what the impact was on the fire classification of the roof. And so what was just not a logical test to be doing So through a lot of research and a lot of discussions with many different stakeholders, a new test was developed, and this new test looks at the photovoltaic system and the roof and the racking system all together as one system and basically tries to look at whether the PV, you know, how the PV system is impacting the fire classification of the roof, which from a safety perspective and a firefighting perspective, that's really the question that you want answered. Yeah, it's, it's a, what I like about the process is that we're trying to make sure that these rooftop systems are, are almost 100% perfect. And, and I, I think it's really important to put this whole issue in perspective that uh, there are almost no fires that have been caused, almost none. And I'm not aware of anything significant on residential rooftops. There's been a few on commercial, but the solar industry has already done a terrific job of making sure these things are really safe and coming up with more improvements. And now what we're trying to do is just remove that point zero 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 one percent of additional chance that the solar array could create more problems. Um, so, so that's the, you know, those are good efforts. Now, what about things like arc fault protection or, or preventing short circuits that happen on the roof and, and, and fires that are actually caused by the solar electronics? Or is your group doing anything to help recommend some solutions to those issues? Right. So there are a number of, of different um, efforts underway re- relative to um, increasing the requirements and standards so that you're assured that a solar system doesn't cause a fire. And one of the issues is um, arc fault protection. And basically what that involves is putting in a device to prevent a fault 
which a fold is like a short circuit that can create a spark. And so if you create a spark, that can create a fire. And so to prevent those from happening. And so there has been language written into the electrical code regarding those. And there have been products developed. And those products now have safety listings. Um, but I think it's, it's important to realize that... Um, these issues take time to resolve and developing a new product and making it work in a way that works well with the solar system takes time. So people are, have been working on these issues for um, a long a long period of time. Yeah. Well, well, that that's one, this arc fault protection stuff, that's, that's one that in my experience is... A, a tangible, real-world problem, and anybody who's done installations with, with uh, the older string inverter technology and string inverters is you, you string 10 solar panels together, and each solar panel puts out, say, 40 volts, and by the time you got 10 together, you got a total of 400 volts, and, and that allows the inverter and the wiring to operate more efficiently, but as long as the sun's out, you're going to get that 400 volts and there's nothing that could turn it off. And so the way the old systems were designed is is uh, if those two wires, the plus and minus wire or the plus wire and the ground shorted together, you'd get an arc there and that arc would keep burning. Um, and if there was anything combustible around there, you could create a fire. And that, that always to me was theoretical. And we always did a really good job of making sure all the wiring was done right, following all the codes. But then we had a, a situation at my old company where everything was done right, except uh, a squirrel decided to build a nest underneath one of these panels. And uh, the, the squirrel uh, bit one of the plus wires and either the negative wire or the ground. And uh, well, that, that instantly fried the squirrel and uh, the nest caught fire. The solar module above uh, broke and, and kind of burned through. And, and fortunately, because all the other standards were followed, it was on the right kind of roof, the thing self-extinguished. But but that got me very worried, and uh, that's one of the reasons why the only thing that we'll install on, on rooftops right now are, are systems that have that, that built-in arc fault protection there, and, and we're only using microinverters for that reason. Uh, and that's kind of an automatic solution there. But I understand that there are are other add-on devices like DC to DC converters or newer inverters that have some circuitry that would automatically shut off? But that—that's a as as we go from ten thousand systems on rooftops to half a million systems on rooftops, which is what we're closing in on. It's just important to make sure that everything is safe and we don't have any possibility of those fires. And I know how long it takes to develop a new product. You go, you develop it. It might take a year or two. You have to test it internally. Then you've got to do all this external testing, which could take another six to 12 months, and then you bring it to market. So the, I'm sure there's a lot of solutions out there, but the, the number of solutions that are currently available on the market that have really been tested is 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 a lot fewer than than we would all hope. What, what about some of the other innovations or changes in, in racking systems that you're seeing out there, the way solar panels are mounted? Any, any changes with that? My experience with racking systems is more in looking at how they impact on the, the fire issues related to a building. And so those issues are primarily related to the geometry of how the system is installed, how much space there is between the module and the roof, and how what kind of guards or barriers there are around 
the array. So it's, um, I mean, clearly there's lots of innovations that are happening in racking design that make it more efficient and easier to install and less costly and all that kind of stuff. But from a code and standard perspective, really what we care about is just that the overall installation is safe and not having an adverse effect on the fire or other issues uh, related to the building. And I think that's actually a good point about codes and standards is ideally what you want to have are requirements that protect the sort of core issues that you want protected for consumers, but not be so prescriptive that you, you then stifle innovation in the marketplace because you want people to come up with new products that are more innovative that make the installations faster and, and less expensive, and you want to make sure that the codes and standards aren't standing in the way of allowing those innovations to come to the marketplace. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I've been very familiar with that over the last 10 years or so as far as innovations in mounting systems and racking, and, and when the pricing of the solar modules went from like $4 down to 60 or $0.70, cents, people didn't care as much how much the solar panel cost, but then they're like saying, gee, we're spending a lot of money on buying the racking, installing the racking, cutting it, doing all the assembly work. And there's lots and lots of innovations there, which is which is pretty exciting. And then the the flip side is is what you mentioned a little bit is we, we really don't want these these uh, standards to get in the way of innovation or as as is kind of happening right now in California with the new California building code, uh, a new fire code or a new UL standard has has been adopted into the state fire code. And unfortunately, although the standard is now part of the California building code and inspectors are looking for it, there are no products that are made that that are compliant with these standards. So uh, the industry is trying to be really careful about making sure everything's perfect and as as safe as possible. But uh, the the manufacturing side of things hasn't caught up to it, and uh, there's a little bit of a chicken in the egg. So that's that's uh, an issue that we're trying to resolve. H- how is that progressing, Larry? As far as that new California fire code requirement, a, a couple of things on that. So the the new requirement is that the PV system needs to be have the same fire classification as is required for the roof. And there was a new test that I described earlier that was adopted last October. And so manufacturers are just now testing to get certified to that. I am now aware of a few, at at least one or two manufacturers that have now received the fire classification rating to the new standard. So things are moving. I believe that the California Fire Marshal has issued um, a document that um, sort of details the the issues here and gives guidance to local code officials. And eventually, I think there's going to be a recommendation that there be a um, a six month waiting period until the new rules are are implemented. So this is you know, this is a timing issue of getting all the different pieces, the code, the standard, the testing, all to line up and to, to be in place at the same time. And a year from now, this problem won't be there. But I think the industry is working with the fire marshal 
to um, come up with short-term solutions so that um, people can still install um, systems just as they have been for the short term. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, almost thought of it as the avoiding the Valentine's Day massacre. There was a, a letter sent out by the state fire marshal on Valentine's Day this year, basically <laughs> saying we're gonna we're gonna delay the the requirement that all local installations be compliant with these new standards because basically nobody can meet the standards. So that was a reprieve. I, I kind of look at how, how enthusiastic the solar industry is, and we're trying to change the world, and we're trying to create free, clean electricity. In the meantime, we keep shooting ourselves in the foot with, with uh, well-intentioned efforts, like let's make it safer, but it's, it's now so safe that nobody can do any installations, and that's a challenge. And then we've got the other issue with the tariffs and everything else. So it's, it's sometimes uh, one step forward and two steps backwards, and, but we're, we're continuing to kind of march ahead. So that, that's, that's good. Uh, and, and, I, and I guess I would just comment on that, that um, Solar ABCs and, and the reason that Solar ABCs was put together was to partly to get different stakeholders talking in the room before these things happen so that we can anticipate problems and figure out solutions in a collaborative fashion. Yeah, sometimes I feel like we're giving all of all of us a, a handgun and we're all sitting in a room in a circle together and we're shooting each other accidentally as we try and kind of improve this, but um, we're making progress. Now, another... Um, Another thing that I that I think that the Solar ABCs was involved with, which was was very encouraging, was some of the efforts to simplify or standardize the paperwork that that is involved in just installing a simple residential system. What what do you think about that? And what what are what are some of the solutions that you're seeing out there to reduce or possibly eliminate solar paperwork? So Solar ABCs published a report that was essentially. Um, model form and guidelines that local uh, building officials could use to permit solar systems. And the idea was that for, especially for small residential systems, most of the issues that are required in the code are the same from system to system. So why do we have this huge form that requires bucket loads of engineering data when essentially it's the same as the last one that came through. So the simplified process has a couple of criteria, and it's primarily for small systems, and then creates a small form that gives the information to the building official that they need to make sure it complies with the code, but is um, simple for the installer to use, and that form has become the basis of forms in many, many jurisdictions across the country. And I think that it's important to have a simple process. It's also important to have a pretty similar process from jurisdiction to jurisdiction because it becomes pretty onerous for uh, especially a small installer if they have to go and do one type of permitting process in one town, and then the next town over, it's completely different and completely different forms. So it would the more standard we can make it, the better. The more simple we can make it, the better. And what we were trying to do was to give the safety items that the building officials need and at the same time simplify the process. And I guess just the last point I would make is 
uh, although I haven't worked on this at all. In the long term, I think the other thing that we really want to see is more online and automated um, permitting processes and not um, having to do actual paperwork. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with that more. I've been um, on that soapbox for almost a dozen years saying this paperwork's ridiculous. And, and it first... I first encountered it when I was just doing local installations in Silicon Valley. There was a tremendous variation, and some of them were really hard. And And you mentioned that it's a problem for small installers. As we got bigger and we eventually covered pretty much, you know, all of the country that had active solar programs, it was really – it was even worse for a big company because we tried to – automate the whole process and and we had just huge room full of people and software and databases in in uh, Los Gatos California where we were trying to centralize all this and it was like we were we were trying to figure out what the permitting requirements in this jurisdiction and we would set set those up we would put it into the database and then like two months later it would change so it became untenable to to scale and what i found when i got started in so, doing solar installations again now, just here in Silicon Valley, I mean, kind of based in the San Jose area, I only cover a dozen cities. And there's two cities in, in this county that I don't do work in because they have fundamentally different processes and it's just like way too complicated. But most of the cities in this area in Silicon Valley are really easy. And when you can just send somebody in with standardized design, you know, here's a here's a five kilowatt or an eight kilowatt rooftop system with UL listed equipment, and it's got microinverters, and there's nothing special, and we're doing everything to code, you can get that permit literally over the counter. You go, they look at the plans, it it fits into this this box of criteria for a standardized system, two or three hundred dollars for the permit. And then you're done. That's great. Then there's other communities where you, you kind of drop it off and then it goes into this whole process in a little town. And it could take weeks and weeks and weeks before somebody gets it and says, gee, I don't understand this. And, and they're, it's really not even that relevant. Uh, but that adds so much to the cost. And when, when I can say to a homeowner, we'll get the permit in two weeks and your system is going to be done in, in three weeks. And then the utility is going to take another two weeks. Uh, they're, they're going from buying a system to having it running in two months, that's great. Whereas in other communities or in other areas, that may take like a year. And that's just amazing. So we've got, we've got lots and lots of potential for improvement. Well, what, what other uh, big areas do you think we in the solar industry can, can improve? We can up our game and make systems more cost-effective. Well, I think that the sort of big emerging area is inverter standards and interconnection to the grid. And the issue there is that as the number of solar installations gets a lot bigger, the how you want to think about connecting them to the grid changes. And so we need to change the inverters and change the standards that we have to keep up with that. Well, that's all the time we've got on today's energy show. Thanks for joining us. And, and Larry, thanks for joining us on the show. Love your insights. And if anybody's missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. 